Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Hashtag Morris Mondays. I'm your host, Dr. James Morris, presiding elder of the Central Florida District and senior pastor of Carter Tabernacle Christian Methodist Episcopal Church here in Orlando, Florida. Good to have you with us today. Well, friends, it's April. This year is moving along. And in a few months, it'll be time for primaries. And then after that, midterm elections. With what has been going on across the width and breadth of this country, with voter suppression laws being enacted in state after state after state, we must not wait until September and October to plan to vote. You've heard me say it before, and I will remind you that it is our responsibility to vote, to let our voices be heard. It's a right our foreparents fought and died for us to have. And because of the laws that have been enacted to suppress the turnout in black and brown communities, it is vitally important that we get ready for the upcoming elections, that we plan on how we're going to vote, that we make sure that our names have not been purged from the voter records, that we make sure that we know the hours that we can and cannot vote, that we know what is being required of us when we go to the polls to vote, to try and eliminate all of those frustrations, all of those roadblocks ahead of time is vitally important for us as we get ready to go vote. In the upcoming weeks, I'm going to be talking about this because it's vitally important. It's important to what's going to happen in our communities. It's important to what's going to happen to our children. It's important to our society. Here in Florida, our governor and the Republican legislature has been attacking the right to vote, have been targeting black and brown communities with voter suppression law after voter suppression law. This legislative assembly has done some horrible things to try and keep people from voting. On Wednesday, the Florida House passed Senate Bill 5. 24, a bill that creates an unnecessary elections police force. That's right, an elections police force. They are tasked with the uh, duty of pursuing election irregularities in the state of Florida an elections police force. Now, we have been told by um, election official after election official 
that the last presidential election uh, held here in Florida was one of the smoothest in recent histories. That the number of irregularities in the voting process were minuscule, minute, almost non-existent in the grand scheme of elections. And still our governor and our Republican legislators were determined that we needed an elections police force. Now, what they will actually be doing, we're not clear. Uh, the authority they will have uh, is going to take some weeding out and figuring out exactly how it's going to be implemented. But just imagine going to the polls and someone dressed in some uniform approaching you and telling you that you've broken the law or that you can't vote or uh, that you, you, you've done something that's illegal while you're simply trying to exercise your right as a citizen of the state of Florida and these United States to exercise your vote. An election police force? Really? Now, the bill previously passed uh, the Senate. And since it passed the Senate and has now passed the House, it will go on to the governor. And, and you can rest assured that the governor is going to sign this crazy uh, bill into law because it was his idea to have an elections police force. But I want you to know that there was no reason, there is no reason whatsoever for an elections police force. makes no sense at all. It can only be described as um, a solution, what's it they say, in search of a problem. A solution in search of a problem. There was no problem with our election in the last presidential election. So they've come up with a solution. Why? Why is it needed? It's not. It's simply to scare people at the polls, to intimidate black and brown voters. Because you rest assured, this police force will be dispatched to black and brown communities in order to try and keep people who look like me from being engaged in the election process. They are simply trying to stop us from voting. Access to the ballot box is a fundamental right. It's your right. It's my right. And so we've got to do everything we can to get ready to protect those rights. So I'm asking you, I'm imploring you to be engaged in the processes going forward. Please listen. I will be giving you information uh, in the weeks and months to come about what to do if you run into problems when it's time for you to cast your ballot. And I will be telling you things you need to do proactively to make sure that when you arrive at the polling place, 
you will be able to continue in the process of letting your voice be heard. Because don't forget, there are those, there are many who are banking on your not voting because of their acts of intimidation. So I want you to be sure you do that. But I want you to know now that I've been made aware of the fact that under Florida law and the laws of many states, there are eligible voters who are in jails who have not yet been convicted as felons, who are waiting trial, who are incarcerated, who are eligible to vote because their voting rights have not been restricted because of a crime, who are not being informed that they still have the right to vote. They need to know that they can still vote. If they have not been criminally prosecuted, they still have the right to vote. The right to vote does not end at the door of a holding cell. As I said before, the law requires eligible voters in jail to be able to cast a ballot. In Florida, as I said, as in most states, persons in jails are eligible to register and vote and they too should not be denied the right to vote. But we know there is a huge difference between being eligible to register and to vote and actually being able to vote. That's why we need to come together and push for formal policies in jails across the state of Florida. Because formal policies means a written affirmation which says people who are in jail have the right to vote and subsequently the staff at the supervisor of elections and the staff at jail facilities should be held accountable to protect the right of persons who are being detained in jail to exercise their right to vote. We need formal policies because it's state law. 
a state law, not just here in Florida. If you're listening to me from wherever you are from, check out the law in your state. And in most instances, you will find that persons who are even in jail, who have not been found guilty, are still eligible to vote. We must not allow the infringement of the right for people in jail to exercise their right to vote. Now, what I've learned is that most counties here in Florida have no written policy uh, to facilitate elections in jail. And then those that do have policies, there are some steps that are missing in the process. So there are things that we can do. There are things that I want to encourage you to do in order to uh, help this process, to help our brothers and sisters who are in jail be able to exercise their right to vote. This is what I'm asking you to do. There are five steps that I heard recently from uh, a Zoom meeting with the uh, ACLU of Florida. And these are the five things that uh, they are suggesting uh, that we encourage you to do. Number one is to request a meeting with your local sheriff. Reach out to the county sheriff to determine whether or not your county jail has policies in place, procedures in place to support jail voting and whether they include the items listed in the policy checklist for the public to see. Just request a meeting with your sheriff. Number two, write letters to the editor. If you don't get a meeting, especially if you don't get a meeting from your county sheriff, write a letter to the editor of the local newspaper or, or other media outlets about your concerns and your desire to meet with your sheriff, which your sheriff has not honored yet. And let them know that you attempted to meet with your county sheriff and your sheriff hasn't responded. Put some pressure on the county sheriff. Next thing you can do is build a petition. Petitions are persuasive ways to detail your, your request. Draft a petition. Don't make it a lengthy petition, just three or four pages, maybe two, maybe even one, and get people in your community to sign the letter reminding the sheriff's department of what the state law says and telling them that you're demanding that the sheriffs follow the law.
The fourth thing that we suggest is that you pressure the supervisor of elections to prioritize your request. So what do you do here? You present a petition to your county SOE, that's your supervisor of election, and personally express your concerns and your recommendations. Invite others again to join, just as you invited them to join your petition. Conduct some interviews uh, with the media after you've gathered uh, your signatures. Put pressure on that way. And then number five, across the state of Florida, there are dozens of nonpartisan voting rights organizations that are more than willing to help support jail voting reform. Nonpartisan voter registration or get out the vote groups can be great collaborations and great collaborators in trying to advocate to county sheriffs. Use the groups that are already at work on the process of fair votes and get them involved in this process as well. Because there's so much to be done to get ready for the upcoming elections. But in the midst of everything that uh, I've just talked about and the continued effort to suppress the vote of black and brown people across the state of Florida and across this nation, here in Florida, we do have reason to celebrate. Here in Florida, something good uh, has happened. On March the 31st, uh, the federal court struck down Florida voter suppression law, Senate Bill 90. On March the 31st, they struck down key provisions of that Senate bill that really was a bill about voter suppression. Uh, Chief U.S. District Judge Mark Walker, Mark Walker, ruled that Florida's Senate bill was in violation of federal law, that it unconstitutionally impeded the right to vote for Floridians. He noted that the right to vote was under siege in Florida. Plaintiffs in this litigation included some of those groups that I talked about earlier that were just a few moments ago that were willing to get in the fight to help. Some of those plaintiffs were the League of Women Voters of Florida, Black Voters Matter Fund, the Florida Alliance for Retired Americans, and, 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 and many other groups and individuals came together uh, to file the lawsuit against SB 90. And thank God they were successful. And so if we'll stay in the process, if we will become vigilant, we can strike down some of these laws. We can have them stricken in federal courts. 
so that people will be able to exercise their right to vote. As I said, in the weeks coming up, I'm going to be talking to you about the necessity for getting ready to vote, to making sure you haven't been purged from the rolls, to make sure you know what's required before you go vote, because this issue is vitally important. Well, I hope that uh, our time together has been informative, and I hope I will prick your heart to get busy, get ready, maybe even take one, two, three, four, or five of the steps that suggested that we take by the ACLU of Florida so that we can preserve our right as American citizens and citizens of the state of Florida to exercise our right to vote. Until next time, God bless you. And remember, heaven is watching how we respond. You can listen to the latest episode of Morris Mondays via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and where other podcast outlets are available. We say